This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 189, which is airing in mid-March of 2021. We're calling this Get Out of Your Rut, though we will have a bit of a semantic discussion about what is a rut. Um, To me, a rut is when you aren't excited about life. Like it all feels ho-hum and the same, which I know a lot of people have been suffering from over the past few months. I mean, certainly with COVID, uh, not going as many places, having fewer things available to us that might be novel or interesting. Um, so it's sort of limited our, our universes to more of the same old, same old. But uh, we, ha- we have a little announcement here of, of Sarah getting out of one particular rut of the same old, same old. What big happened in your house recently? Well, you may remember from my 2021 goals episode that one of our big goals was for Genevieve to be potty trained. And I think I can safely say Genevieve is toilet trained. Yay! Yay! The past past couple weeks, we've had like very minimal accidents. She's doing all modalities of toileting on her little potty, not in diapers. Obviously, nighttime is a separate thing, but I'm 
I don't really rush my kids in that area and I don't expect her to fix that anytime soon, but that's no big deal to me. Without actually, revealing. How long do you put them in diapers overnight though? I mean, it, Oh, I don't think just that's until, until they be, start, they always wake up dry. Yes, I mean, like, for, yes, okay. I'm, I'm very forgiving in that realm. And I, I don't think my kids would want any details discussed. Um, no, no, no big kids is, is are in diapers now. That's, that's just in case anybody is thinking they are. No, 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 just Genevieve. But there may have been some extended timelines there. Um, but everyone gets out of them eventually, as I have seen. And um, so I'm not worried about that for Genevieve. And I'm very happy that we can, like, not have to worry about changing diapers all day. Yeah. Now, was there, was there anything that was sort of a moment of breakthrough or this was just gradually she was more willing to um, extend her, her being toilet trained at school to also being at home? Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like school mostly did it, but then she was in this mindset, I think, when she was just like, oh, well, at home I use diapers and at school I use the potty. And I was like, once her teacher was kind of like, I think she's ready. I mean, she was past three. To me, three is kind of like my cutoff when I get a little more serious. And so I just took the diapers off um, at home and, you know, let her have a couple of accidents to kind of like reinforce, like you just have to use your little potty. And she did very quickly. And we also had a reward where she would get one M&M for certain types of elimination and three for others and (laughs) that was very rewarding and motivating apparently so um there's still a few m&ms left in the bag i don't plan on buying a new bag but i felt you know as much as controversial food bribes can be this felt relatively minimal and we're not the kind of house where chocolate is like forbidden in little kids so you know it was fine it works fine (laughs) i say if it works it works And then the rest of your life, no one ever gives you M&Ms again for going to the bathroom, sadly enough. <laughs> that is true. But you can still get them on Halloween. So it's okay. That's, that's <laughs> true. Well, I'm glad that she is. As I, Did you have any time where, is this the first time you're out of diapers? No, because you were, well. Yes. No, I did. We had no diapers for a while. Cameron okay, was. That's right. Um, he, was, he was about four when was she was He was three born. Yeah. and like three quarters or something yeah. when she was born. So we did. We had like eight months with no diapers. (laughs) He trained right at his third birthday. I remember that we were taking a trip to Disney World and our nanny's like, I'm going to train Cameron. And it was like coming up in like three days. And I'm like, don't train him now. We're going to have like a disaster in Disney. And she actually did train him in like two days and he didn't have any accidents at Disney. So sometimes when they're ready, they're They're just ready. ready. They're ready. Yeah, we've got a ways to go until then. (laughs) But uh, well, we had like, you know, a year, two years off and then back on and you know between ruth and alex we only had like six months off and so and then before that there was no time off because they were all stacked up on we had like multiple kids in diapers at various points but uh no all good all good Uh, we'll get there eventually but so the getting back to the idea of ruts which is what this episode is about this raised the question of the difference between rut and routine because doing the same thing all the time also is the definition of routine. And sometimes routines and even rituals, which is an even more sort of positive connotation of the word, you know, ritual could also be rut in another light. So, so Sarah, you, you were saying you're maybe more on the line of it's okay to do the same thing all the time. I think it depends on one's personal tolerance or enjoyment of rituals. And I agree, like when you find that it's no longer serving you and you are wishing for more novelty because life just feels boring, then that 
crosses over into rut territory, yet the same person could be doing the same behaviors and just be like, I love this. I feel so good. I love doing my this every morning and I love taking my walk at 1206, you know, whatever. People are have different rigidity levels about their routines. I would say like I probably fall on the like a little bit more prone to like enjoying routine. Um, Like I, so for example, my husband loves to vary his running routes. Like, and he would love to say, oh, where did you run? I'm like the same path. (laughs) Same place. Always like, why would I change it? Like, I know it's safe. I know I'm not going to trip over the sidewalk. I know exactly where the dog's going to bark and that he's in a fence. So I don't have to worry. Like, why would I make a change? Because I enjoy this run. So I think that's like just an example where one person's happy ritual routine is another person's rut. Also, I have a very high tolerance for like loops runs with like, you know, like three loops of like, you know, 1.5 miles or something, whereas my husband would like never want to do that. So I think that's like an interesting yardstick as to like your tolerance for repetition or maybe even your enjoyment of repetition for some people. Yeah, I'm I'm not so big on because I feel like when I finish the first loop, I'm like, eh, let's just be done. I don't want to do that same loop again. I've never gotten into track workouts, like where I, you know, have to run around the same track 10 times. It's like, well, I'd rather run with a treadmill the same. Like, I, I don't like the treadmill. I mean, I use it because I'm in Pennsylvania where it's snowing and it's been snowing for the past three weeks. But, you know, even so, on once the ice has been cleared, I will get out on the roads, um, you know, and just be careful because I would prefer having the novelty of the scenery versus um, knowing I could get a certain amount at a certain pace, which is what I could do on on the treadmill. To be fair, I like the scenery too. I just don't mind if it's the same, same. scenery. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't feel after the first loop, like I'm done. <laughs> I, you know, like, cause that's a very no. easy out at that point. <laughs> no, no, oh, I have okay. no problem. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. Well, interesting. Yeah, I, I remember there was a question on was it the happiness uh, pod, happier podcast several years ago with a I, I just remember because this woman talked about how she had had to switch from a one mile loop that she would walk because she meant to walk three miles. And after the first loop, every time she'd be like, eh, done. You know, I don't feel like walking again. So she had to go find a 2.7 mile circumference lake. And then because once you were in, you were in. Like there was no there was no point at one mile in where you could just like, I'm back in the car. So, you know, it was the importance of finding a conveniently sized lake, I think was the the key message of that uh, episode. Well, you know, I, I would say that I like a little bit of novelty. Partly it's also that with the kids, when we're all at home all weekend, for instance, or for long stretches of time, the kids are just all on their devices or fighting. And I mean, if, it'd be fine if they were all on their devices like pleasantly, but that's not what happens. It's like two people were fighting and then somebody else is screaming about something. And um, whereas getting out and doing something at least gives the day a little bit of focus. And so I try to introduce some novelty like that. You know, in our evenings, our weekday evenings, we you know, it's harder to do anything novel, but we have like gone outside in the evening, for instance, or, you know, people have activities on different nights. And so that can allow for a little bit of novelty, like running an errand or going somewhere new during a kid's activity at night, just to shake things up a bit. So I guess if if you like shaking things up a bit, then maybe you lean more toward that side. But point of this episode is if you are finding yourself in a rut and you would like to get out of it, what can you do. I mean, Sarah, have you ever felt yourself to be in a professional rut? 
Oh, yeah. Personal and professional. I mean, don't get me wrong. Even though I like running roots, it's a spectrum, right? So maybe I like ritualization more than average, but it doesn't mean that at some point I don't want to just go crazy and do something different. For example, like take the family on vacation to completely change scenery and change schedules, or maybe like have a structured framework, but then plug and play some more different experiences to take away the monotony. Like maybe I know what the weekend's going to look like, but you know, what outing we go on could really, really change from, from week to week. Professionally, yes. I think when I was purely clinical and every day was very much the same, and I was also seeing like a lot of very, very similar cases. I was a little over it. Um, And so I did look for more variety in my career because it's sort of like I would like look at my schedule and just see the endless days back to back of like kind of more of the same. And even though I really love my work, that didn't quite feel right. Like there wasn't enough there for me. So I I guess, yeah, that that could be construed as a as a professional rut of sorts. And so you consciously tried to vary your practice some, like to seek out, you yeah, know, to establish expertise in different areas. I, you know, got in, got very lucky and found GME. And I think, I think no matter what, I would have found something. I don't like, you know, if those opportunities hadn't come up, I would have thought of something else. Like there, there was definitely going to have to be something to break up the monotony to keep me interested and excited. And I think that's probably for people whose jobs are like very, very similar day after day, because mine is not which is funny when I'm saying all oh, I love rituals, but maybe because I get enough excitement <laughs> in my job that I, you, I guess you'd have to find something else because that, that, that could get really challenging. Yeah, and I've thought of that sometimes with, with different parts of medicine because some people, it's, it, you have a certain procedure that you do, you know, however many times a day. I mean, if it's a 15-minute procedure, you do it, you know, dozens of times a day. If it's an hour-long one, you do it fewer, obviously, but, you know, there's still that you do the same thing over and over. And obviously you're very good at it, but you know, it's kind of hard to get excited perhaps about the, the 10th similar procedure <laughs> for, for the day. I think sometimes like with medicine, like the variations on the theme will be like, well, now I'm doing outpatient this day and this day I'm doing some big case that's more complex. Like I see with Josh, like even though yes, of course, like his bread and butter is like doing bypasses and he could just do the same thing all day. I don't feel like his days are the same because some days are more clinic, some days he might have, you know, other smaller procedures. So maybe people are good about, you know, we don't turn into widgets and factory workers. We're not like literally doing the exact same thing. And if you were, you'd probably find some way to spice things up, spice things up. All right, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with ways to actually get yourself out of a rut. Well, welcome back. We have been talking about ruts. First, what is a rut versus a routine or even a ritual, which are all different ways of referring to doing the same thing over and over again. But Sarah had been talking about some of the ruts she'd been in. I've definitely been in professional ruts too. I think I feel more like I'm in one when I'm doing a lot of projects that I'm not that excited about, or I don't have one big project that I find very motivating. I love writing books. And if I'm not in a period of time where I am focused on a book, it becomes very easy to feel like, uh, eh, you know, I'm just doing whatever. Um, and and so I, I try to be conscious of that to always be coming up with a book idea or have one that I am working toward. And if it's not, you know, one of my nonfiction time management titles to be trying to write a novel or something like that, that would just um, make life a little bit more exciting. But just a few other ideas we we came up with um, for getting out of your rut. One is to try a mini collaboration with someone. 
So Sarah and I obviously collaborate on this this podcast together, but there are lots of quicker ways to do it. You, you know, in this social media era, you could just do a quick Facebook Live or Instagram Live chat with somebody that um, you know professionally or personally and let others listen in. You know, a Zoom discussion with a colleague where two of you maybe have expertise on a topic and invite your colleagues to come listen in. Or if there's it's appropriate in your industry, maybe something more broadly that people might be able to, to listen into. But these are so easy to do right now because of nobody needing to be in the same place anyway. Um, Like it'd be one thing to say, okay, I'm bringing in three different speakers on a topic and we're going to have 500 people in the auditorium listening. Like that's a big deal. But putting those same three people on Zoom and then sending out, you know, an email to colleagues and saying, hey, if you want to join us, do. Is, is just so much easier. So, you know, you could get yourself a nice little professional shot in the arm by doing something like that. Yeah, um, that makes me think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. I was going to say, uh, we need to do our Insta. We, we should do a, an impromptu Instagram live oh, yes, sometime. It'll be a fun experiment. It would. It would. All right. Stay tuned, people. <laughs> we just come up with a new, a new collaboration idea. Another idea is to consciously reach out to more people. Um, because more people that you kind of put in your network and you sort of keep in touch with, people come up with things and, or just let you know about stuff that's going on. Um, my friend Molly Beck wrote a book called Reach Out, which is about her method, where she uh, sends an email five times a week, one email per workday to somebody, either somebody she has met in the past, uh, somebody a friend has suggested she gets to know, um, you know, somebody she met recently that she'd like to establish ties with, or just you know, someone out in the universe um, doing something randomly, um, which is how I became the target of a Molly Beck reach out many years ago. <laughs> but, you know, now we know each other. It's great. And and it, that's what happens um, because she has just an incredible network, as you might imagine, from sending out one email a day for like 10 years. Not easy. You got to get in the habit of doing it, but it's not a huge investment of time per day. They won't all work out. Like most, maybe people won't respond you know, even people that write back, by then nothing will come of it. But even if like one a week did, I mean, that would be like 40, 50 people a year um, that you have more contact with. If only 20 of those, you know, turn into a solid thing, I mean, in five years, that's like 100 very tight connections in your network, which is just amazing. Um, and, and the more people you sort of are in touch with, the more they're like, hey, I heard of this really cool thing that's going on. You might want to be part of this. Um, and that can be a great way to get out of your rut. We both talked about reading something and like during the work day even. Do you do, you do this? I mean, you, you read all the time, but... You know, I was in like a workday reading thing, but I've sort of replaced that with my workday walking. Um, so I'm not doing it as much during the workday. But I think when you read something that's just really outside of your normal genre, that can help you get out of your rut in a very low-key, low-risk way. Or getting into something that's more like history about a time that you had like never known anything. It'll just feel like open up this door of knowledge. And I had a fun idea, which was like, you could like read a novel set in a time and then watch a documentary kind of on that same culture or time. And then maybe match like your next takeout night to that culture or time. Um, And that seems so silly and low key, but it can be a way to make life more fun and memorable and kind of break out of a mini rut. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like um, professionally, you know, things you could do during the day and and things that people aren't going to necessarily look at you weird for doing. We subscribe to The Economist. And there are a lot of random articles in there, but they're, you know, interesting and well-researched. And, you know, if you've never pondered the political situation in, say, Uganda, 
they will tell you about it and you will learn about it. And that's probably not something you are necessarily thinking about unless you, you know, have family in Uganda or something. But, you know, it it will nudge your brain in slightly different directions. And sometimes just doing that, you know, helps you think of things like not that, you know, your job has anything to do with the political situation in Uganda, but you just are thinking slightly differently. And it's the equivalent of like going outside for a walk. Like you just have a, your brain in a different space and that can nudge you sort of a little bit out of, you know, your rut. And, and you know, reading The Economist makes you look, you know, classy. <laughs> I mean, you can, I'm sure you could read People magazine and have the same thing happen. But um, people might feel a little more funny about that, like during the workday. Yes, that is probably true. That's so funny. We get the Atlantic. Similar. The Atlantic, they have yes. a lot of tangents, tangents in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, you could officially take a course, too. Um, especially now, there are so many online offerings, um, you know, partly because everyone's doing those Zoom discussions or Facebook Live things or whatever. And that allows you to see something like, I mean, if you live in, let's say, Philadelphia, you are probably not going to do anything with, I don't know, I'm, I'm making this up here, but like the San Francisco Orchestra is just like not on your radar screen. But if they have a lecture and then somebody playing a flute piece, you know, on Facebook Live, like you'd be able to watch that and learn something about that flute concerto that you didn't know before. I mean, it probably won't be because they won't have all of them together, but, you know, a flute solo. So, you know, think about stuff like that or or just a, a mini course in something that is at least theoretically professionally related, but not your day-to-day stuff. So coding, lots of people could benefit from learning a little bit of, you know, technology skills, uh, statistics. It's the rare business that, you know, doesn't use statistics in some way, shape, or form. And I found that it's the rare person who (laughs) knows much about statistics. So that can be a really cool thing to expand your knowledge on. Design. Um, There's so much that's involved in in good design. And so learning a little bit more about that might be something that would would be helpful professionally, kind of nudge you out of that rut. Um, But it's not the same thing you do every day. Because, you know, again, you don't want to do more of the same thing you do. A small group. Sarah, did you ever start the uh, professional book club? Nope, not yet. Not yet. I know, because I've sort of debated, like, are we at the point most of the providers are now vaccinated? Should we just do this in person outside versus Zoom? I don't know. We hadn't figured it out. So, but it it could could definitely still happen. When you mentioned courses, though, I I thought about, like, that I'm doing this, like, wellness coaching thing because we're going to be launching a coaching program for our residents. And just learning how to coach, which is actually a very different skill set than like being a physician has been really fun. Like I felt like I was in school and like learning a whole new thing. And that definitely was very rut breaking just because it was like a different part of my brain. So that's, that's another kind of tangential. And I think learning about different like financial wellness can have not financial wellness, financial literacy, financial, how businesses work. Like maybe you work on a different part of your, of your company, but have you ever like learned a little bit about the finance part of your company and how that works. Cause a lot of times that can actually be useful in what you do. Cause you have that kind of valuable perspective, but it's something that many of us kind of ignore. And yet a lot of times there are those kind of resources or people that you could learn from at your organization. And that might actually kind of help you and be interesting and teach you some new valuable skills. Yeah. But you could do, um, you know, a, a small group 
professional kind of thing, like, you know, a book club or accountability group, Uh, but just having, you know, a small group of colleagues who wouldn't have to be in the same office as you now. I mean, it could be, you know, from around your organization or could be external to your organization too, but that you check in with once a month or so just to um, see what is going on in the world. And the more sort of eyes and ears you have out there, um, the more different places it can take um, your career as well. So those are all some ideas. Personal ruts. <laughs> are you feeling like you're in one at all? But no, you're, you're feeling more happy with, with routines as they are right now. I don't feel like we've been a terrible personal rut. Um, I feel like we've been able to introduce enough novelty, but I know that may depend on the area in which you're lived and living in the activities in which you feel more constrained. Um, I do feel like I'm ready for a vacation, like a, like a change of atmosphere, maybe. So that maybe that's a little bit of a, a personal rut. Yeah, we've definitely been feeling somewhat in this. And, you know, that's even with a lot of effort on my part to make life a little bit more interesting. I mean, it's partly just winter and COVID working on it. I you know suggest a a formula for people as they plan their weeks, which of course our listeners are no doubt planning their weeks, but doing one big adventure, one little adventure, and maybe something whimsical. Um, I've been thinking about adding that into the formula. Um, the big adventure would be kind of like a half day weekend thing, three hours, four hours maybe, um, or obviously you could do it on a Tuesday night. Most people don't, but uh, you know, theoretically three hours on a Tuesday night would be possible, but that would be like your big adventure. Your little adventure could just be like an hour and then add something whimsical, which, you know, we said something offbeat and fun. Uh, this could be as, you know, interesting as like shaped pancakes for breakfast. We did your Valentine's Day, you know, heart-shaped pancakes for breakfast and then wound up, you know, walking through the giant heart at the Franklin Institute for Valentine's Day. But, you know, whimsy could just be something like uh, having a crazy pizza night. I mean, a lot of it could be food-based just because that's something that's available to people now. Uh, Somebody even talked about trying to eat their breakfast with chopsticks. (laughs) I guess they had some leftover from Chinese takeout night or something. You know, anything that's offbeat and silly can just make life a little bit more fun and interesting. And often the whimsical aspect is is there even if you can't do anything else. I mean, you can paint your fingernails purple even if there's almost nothing else that you can do. So, you know, that's a, that's a formula that I'm certainly trying. It's a lot harder now with um, COVID, but like this week we're going uh, potentially ice skating uh, on the outdoor rink around here. We're doing a winter fest, which involves a ice slide somewhere. Uh, you know, and just little things like that to try and take advantage of the season and, um, you know, have a few more adventures in life. That sounds very fun. I think that, I don't know if it takes away from the whimsy or the rut busting, but for me, having something planned that's different, again, like I feel like I then get to experience it doubly because I have like that something different to look forward to. So I'm kind of excited that like I have my mommy days plan and I don't even know what we'll do and I don't know how whimsical or exciting it will be, but just the fact that like there's something different on my calendar and I'm not working that day and I'm just going to focus on one kid. To me, that's that's like a nice way to break up personal rutness because that's going to be a very different day and memorable even if we don't do that much just because it's like designated as such, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've done? You had a list here. Oh, yes. Well, during the pandemic, I think that one thing that was um, 
I just found other things to really distract myself with. Now, many of them tended to be sort of repetitive and ritualistic because maybe that's what I'm drawn to. But for example, I did that whole 80-day obsession workout program, which was like something very different, like a different style of exercise than I had done before. And I did feel like it got me out of a bit of a workout rut. Like I was tired of like the same, you know, same things, same videos, same things that I had been doing. So that was fun. Um, you know, we do do takeout night every Saturday. So once again, that's a ritual, but you can make that more fun by varying the cuisine or having a different person pick each time or like elevating it and making it fancy once in a while and doing candles and, you know, something else to just make it more special. Um, I talked about my coaching class and yeah, just like trying new things within a framework that you're already comfortable. That's my style (laughs) of, of getting out of my rut. Well, because you learned this, I mean, you also learned like hand lettering, right? So we know that you love your planners, you have your planner ritual, but now you're going to take that up a notch with your new yeah, skill. Yeah, I did. I took a, I took like an online like Skillshare class and I did learn some stuff even in like a one hour long class, like the things that I had kind of been doing wrong that I wanted to uh, fix. And I, I have seen a noticeable improvement. So I would love to do to do more of that. So that's a great example. When the idea of um, workout is something you can do to shake up your workout routine. I mean, this helps with fitness in general. Having somebody else's training plan, I mean, that's one of the reasons people loved CrossFit and going to the CrossFit gyms is every day was a different workout of the day, right? And you didn't know what it was going to be. Um, And so it would be something that perhaps you hadn't necessarily done before because most of us aren't, you know, given to leaping across tires or whatever else the the CrossFitters were were doing. Um, But that's one of the things that was so appealing about it, I think, to people. And, you know, Sarah and I are both doing that mini happy miles program. And it's partly just that our running is suggested then by someone else. You don't necessarily always do it, but there's a different workout than you might have guessed to do on any given day. Um, And and so that can bust a routine as well, bust a route, bust a rut as well. Yes. And even within that program, they're good about making each month kind of having different things and different goals so that they're even trying to rut bust within the framework of a year long program, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, A couple other things you can do is go revisit a hobby. Um, I have been playing the piano at uh, the new house before it becomes a construction zone. Um, We bought the piano off our um, the former resident there. And it was, you know, it's just fun to go over there and play um, in an empty house. And, you know, maybe you don't necessarily own an instrument. But here's an idea. So we are renting instruments for kids doing band, right? Like there's all sorts of music rental companies just because a lot of people whose kids take a year of band are not going to commit to buying a whole instrument for that uh, in case your kid, you know, plays the alto sax for one year and never wants to do it again. But if you, for instance, did play the alto sax in high school and then stopped, you could rent an alto sax from one of those companies too. Like you don't actually have to go through a school um, to do it. And so, you know, rent the instrument and, you know, month to month and play it for a while and then have it, you know, you can practice here and there. If that was something you enjoyed in the past, that might definitely shake up an an evening routine. You can, speaking of things that kids do, you could take a lesson with a kid um, as a way to kind of use that time that you might have just been sitting on the sidelines or in the car at something, maybe a joint you know, virtual chess lesson or something in person like ice skating or, I don't know, surfing if you're (laughs) in a place where that's possible. Um, But anything that you would both be beginners in with with a kid who's, say, you know, over eight years old, that there might be a possibility for both of you to learn. Um, So that can be a way to bust up the family rut as well. Oh, yeah, I like that. I feel like Josh would be especially, um, our kids have done skateboard lessons, and I, I don't think he normally participates, but 
that's mostly just for safety, but he would love to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true that as an adult, you don't want to get injured. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't get injured doing chess or vo- voice lessons or something that you could also do with your kids. So. And they have done skateboarding practice together. And I can see that they're both enjoying learning on their different levels. So there you go. It's possible. It's possible. Um, Suggesting something just little like going to the library, if you're somewhere where your library is open, or even if you're not, the one thing that might be challenging with, you know, getting delivery of your books or picking them up outside is um, it's kind of the randomness that is the fun here, but like going into the stacks, going into some completely different section than you would ever go to. And like, pulling out a pretty looking book and and just learning something that you you never would have before um, can introduce an element of whimsy into your life. Making a list of 100 dreams, uh, just because it gets your brain focused on thinking about things that might get you out of your rut, um, maybe even not so much now, but that you might want to do over the next year or two, I um, realized that in the fall, I would like to go see Falling Water, um, the Frank Lloyd Wright house that is in Pennsylvania. Um, I thought about maybe we could go do it over spring break. And then I realized, you know what? I don't think that five children want to go visit architecture. <laughs> a spring break activity. So maybe I will do that myself in the fall because the leaves are supposed to be really pretty around there too. Uh, so that's now on my list of 100 dreams. But just generally uh, going outside, you know, we ta- we stopped around in the snow at night the other night. My kids went outside in the dark and played hide and seek in the backyard <laughs> with flashlights in the snow. Um, and it just changes up an evening completely and can be something that's a little bit different from the routine of, you know, dinner, baths, bed, um, that can kind of get old after a while. Kind of wish we had snow to tromp around in, but that's I, okay. I don't think you really. we've had <laughs> snow. It's icing right now. I can hear the ice on my window. It's just oh, I think I might hear it. It's actually a very nice sound if that's what I'm hearing, <laughs> like a little like crackle. Nice to Subtle hear crackle. if you don't have to shovel it. Um, I love snow. I, I do love snow, and and partly snow can help with a winter rut too, in the sense that we don't have snow cover all year. I know some people are like in Minnesota, it snows in early December, and then it doesn't leave until the beginning of April. And so the snow is not so exciting. But here it comes and goes. And so that makes it a little bit more like, oh, well, we should take advantage of it here, because we may only have, you know, three to four total weeks of snow cover in a winter. Um, and so it's, it's a chance to do something a little different when it when it is here. Yes. Well, we are interested in you all sharing your thoughts about the spectrum of routine versus ruts and what has helped you get out of ruts and maybe what are some of the routines that you know are ruts, but you don't care because you embrace them. Um, We're totally curious. So please share in our show notes or on Laura's blog or on our Instagram. We would love to hear. Great. Well, let's take a lesson for or a lesson, a question from Anne, who wrote to Sarah. So do you want me to read it? And then you can answer first. Yes. You're, okay. You're good at abridging and I'm not. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true, but okay. Um, so the uh, gist here is that Anne is a longtime blog reader and is thinking about having a third baby. She has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So that is, of course, the time that many people start deciding, are they going to go for number three or not? However, she is 40. And so that puts a little bit of time pressure on this decision. She's th- She needs to figure it out in the next year, she says. Her husband and her are both attorneys, very busy schedule. She said that they might move closer to family to help out with the third kid. 
But she's also hung up on what the physical toll might be at her body with her advanced maternal age, as we all laugh at that, at that phrase. We all feel young, but, you know, we're reminded when we have babies, maybe we're not as young as we used to be. Um, she says both of her children were breached, so she's had two C-sections. She's kind of anticipating that the third might wind up being a C-section for their, maybe even not for the same reason, but because she's had two before. The last recovery was pretty rough. She's gained a few pounds each time. She's worried about compounding that problem even more. Obviously, you know, 40, there's more risks. So she's trying to make the decision. She wants to know Sarah's thoughts about it. She says her family and friends think we should just go for it and are dismissive of my concerns in a loving it will be fine sort of way. But any advice for how to go about thinking about this is much appreciated. Well, I always laugh because I feel like when I wanted to have three, the people I, or when I was like really thinking about it, but really I knew I wanted it. I always asked people who had three and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) really, that's because I clearly wanted a certain answer. So I do feel like if you are emailing people with more than two kids about a third baby, you probably really want one in your heart. And my feeling is if you feel like you'd be missing out by saying no, then go for it because that can be a regret that you might have later and Again, if you're, if you're like wanting this enough to be weighing the pros and cons this carefully and sending emails to people like me and Laura, you probably really, really do want it. I will say, and I think this is comforting to some, that after I had three, and at least up until this point, and probably hopefully forever, I have never <laughs> wanted more. Like I really did want that third, but I feel very at peace. And I'm like, three is correct for our family. And like, I have never had to wrestle with wanting four. So like, cause you might think, well, maybe I'll have three, but then like, is it ever going to end? Am I always going to want another kid? And at least for me, the answer was no, I wanted a third. I don't want a fourth. Yeah. So you can, you can definitely feel that way that you, you know, felt a distinct difference going from two to three that after three, you're like, nope, feel good. This is the right size. Yes, 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 yes. Well, that's, that's good to know. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe our listener will feel that way as as well. I, I agree with Sarah that, yeah, if you are reaching out to people with three kids about their decision, like, then probably it's because you do want the third. Uh, if you were, you know, really thinking, trying to talk yourself out of it, you'd be reaching out to people with one who think that that's like the best thing ever, right? Or two and like, no, no, that's great. Like two is the perfect size. Because you know that very few people who have three kids are gonna be like, worst decision ever. <laughs> So, you know, clearly they're going to tell you that it was it was probably a great thing to to happen. As for the the weight thing, I mean, because you know, this is if if she's worried about the, I mean, so obviously have I mean, I had a baby at age forty one, and yes, the recovery was you know more challenging at age forty one than it was at age twenty eight. I can tell you that, um, and that was not you know, not dealing with a C-section, which I'm sure is even even more so recovering from major surgery at, at any age. The one thing I would say is that the, the pregnancy and birth itself is a very short part of the timeline that the child will be in your life. So if that is your major concern, you can know that if you, you know, got pregnant now, a year from now, you would be on the other side of that, right? And Sometimes that is helpful to say, okay, well, it's a year of that, and then it will be the kid in my life, you know, for hopefully, you know, 70 years at that point. It's a very small part of it. I think, you know, this the weight is, I, I really wish people would not be as concerned as they are about you know, a few pounds here and there. She says she runs and eats well. And so I think if you run and eat well, then, 
you know, the fact that you're a few pounds over what your weight was at age 20 is really not, you know, the end of the world. <laughs> Though Sarah does swear by weight training, right? That 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 gets us back to our 20-something bodies, I hear from you. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. But I don't know about 20-something. No, I don't think anything could do that. But I think I think weight training can be very effective in, in helping with body composition as, as people age for many people, maybe not for all. But I also agree with Laura. Like my heart hurts like the idea that like pounds would would make the determination about like whether you want another person in your family. Like, no, no, don't I would yeah. I mean, if it was a health complication, like I have friends who had like such dangerous pregnancy complications that literally it was life-threatening and I am happy that they don't think they want more because it's like a safety concern, that's different. But if it's more just like, eh, it was a pain in the butt, like I gained some weight, like hopefully, hopefully that wouldn't be too much of a deterrent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, neither of us have had C-sections, so we can't really speak to uh third recovery from one. And I know that, yes, three major surgeries can can be rough on on your body. So um, maybe some of our listeners can can weigh in on that. Or if they have advice for um, managing C-section recovery, um, we'd love to hear from you about that. But again, it's it's the whole pregnancy and birth and even the the baby years are, are a limited part of it. And, you know, I know we're all happy with <laughs> having all our kids in our lives. Um, although, yes, as Sarah said, there has to be some stop to it. <laughs> so I, I have not had, you know, a desire for 10. I can tell you that. So I don't think I'll keep, you know, not going to keep going forever. And in fact, I felt very good with five. You know, I think at four, I, I was thinking I was good with four, but it wasn't that it, we hadn't, you know, closed the door on it. And then we're very happy we decided to have five. Um, so Henry's been wonderful addition to our lives. And you know, I'm excited to see what he's going to grow up to be. And um, so, you know, the one other thing we could tell this woman is, I mean, given that she has a two-year-old, probably if she does want to get pregnant, she will. <laughs> because that that shop has clearly not closed up, you know, given that was recently open. But you never know for sure. So this can be one of those things where you could decide to try and, you know, see what happens um, because it might not, but, you know, obviously it might too. And, and so, you know, sometimes we can leave ourselves open to things um, and that's kind of a way of, you know, being, uh, embracing what comes. Yes, that makes sense. Well, best of luck to this listener. And if you ever make a decision and want to follow up with us, we would love to know. Yeah. All right. So love of the week. So I mentioned the piano at the new house. I am having so much fun playing that. I've dug up many of my old piano books and went and played, you know, the various pieces that I learned in the past. I haven't learned anything new, but it's fun just to play stuff that I already know. I find that relaxing. It might be more complicated to learn new stuff, but the the pieces I learned like as a teenager, the the muscle memory is crazily still kind of there. I must have practiced enough then that it's built in. Um, so I've been enjoying doing that. So fun. Mine is Duolingo. I just think it has been a fun pandemic pastime. I've been doing Spanish. I'm up to like 150 days or something crazy like that. Although they let you use what's called a streak freeze. So I've had like a couple of streak freezes, which I'm, which I really enjoy because it's like, I don't like the pressure of a streak. So this is the perfect amount of streaking for me. But no, it's, it's a great app. It's free. It definitely uses a portion of my brain that does not get exercise, the sort of language, grammar, learning abilities. And so I don't think it's going to make me fluent, but I definitely know more, more Spanish now than I did before I started. So it's a great free resource. 
Yeah, and that is a good way to get out of your rut as well, um, is, is learning a new language or, you know, at least conversationally a few phrases in, in a new language. That's something that um, maybe would help with a professional rut too. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been talking about ruts, how to get out of your rut or how to um, embrace it as the case may be. And we'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.